Yes, this is 2020. Welcome back. Welcome to Keeping It Raw. I am Raw. And today I want to talk about Black Lives Matter. And uh, the reason I have a different kind of perspective, and I know you're thinking, oh man, another person talking about Black Lives Matter. This is all we need. Somebody who, <laughs> somebody else to give their perspective. Great. So, uh, however, I'm using this platform. I'm choosing to use this platform to um, to share some insight, okay, regarding... Uh, my perspective, which was somebody who would always say all lives matter anytime somebody ever said black lives matter, uh, and also somebody who is, who went to a, a black lives matter uh, march. Okay, so these are two separate opposite perspectives, uh, and so I'm gonna briefly explain it. And the way I'm gonna explain it, I I don't want you to take away the quickness and and view that as lightness. I'm not taking it lightly, even if I briefly mention something, okay? So that's my caveat to all this, is that I'm going to be going over some things in a quick fashion, but don't think that I'm taking this whole thing lightly, that this is a joke or that I'm cold or anything, okay? So... um. And I want you to hear me. So if you're listening right now, you get, you're going to have to listen to the whole thing. Don't just cut it off because if you cut it off, uh, I'm not going to really say anything that's contradicting or uh, not contradicting. A, uh, I'm not going to say anything that's controversial, but uh, you need to listen to the whole thing if you're going to listen. So uh, I was one of those people, again, who would always say all lives matter. Anytime I heard somebody say black lives matter, it all started with Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, um, where George Zimmerman was exonerated. And uh, he was exonerated by a jury of his peers. 12 people all voted to exonerate him. So there was that. And when that happened, it was like, see, the media does not know everything. They do not tell you everything. And uh, so you just can't trust the media. And then Michael Brown happened. And when Michael Brown was gunned down, it was... um, uh, initially reported that he had his hands up saying don't shoot that by that was proven false by all the witnesses and uh, it was actually reported that he was being aggressive to the officer in the officer's vehicle and that's why he was shot and he'd also just robbed a place apparently so he did not have his day in court so there are some things that I'm saying that weren't proven in court and so I understand that however he was on video stealing and, uh, you know, the witnesses that saw him die actually said he did not have his hands up and did not say, don't shoot. So there are these instances. There is also Eric Garner, who is a, uh, African-American male that was choked out, uh, in New York city. There was Sandra Bland. Uh, there was a case in, um, in, uh, DC, 
where all these officers were taken to court and all exonerated. None of them found guilty. In every case, by the 12 jurors of each of their cases, were all found not guilty. So there was this division, and um, the division was um, that one side said that um, there are too many racist cops, and these racist cops are hunting down black men. Now, there's no data, statistics, statistics. Uh, there's no, no um, evidence to show that any of these officers were black. I'm sorry, were uh, racist. Uh, and in some cases, some were black, okay? Uh, or minorities of different, you know, Hispanics, or whatever, Asians. And because of that, I just never bought into the whole hype of Black Lives Matter. So uh, I would always say all lives matter because and then eventually that got washed out because it was just so much going on that you just move on from it. And then uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, took his stance and started kneeling. And then I was like, dude, you're kneeling for something that isn't a legit cause like this isn't an actual thing, you know, and and so on. And uh, when uh, plus he he had a couple issues himself like he was being arrogant about it he was he was being a a jerk about it and that's why he didn't get a lot of people backing him so that happened people wouldn't back him even though Colin Kaepernick asked a soul a veteran like you know what's a how can I do a protest respectfully and not degrade and they told him kneel during the national anthem that's something you can do and that would be respectful you know that's a respectful protest and so that's what he did but nobody saw that they just saw that he was being arrogant and rude and being a jerk about it and even though he changed and apologized for all of those actions um it was just too far down the road because he had started it in the wrong way so now today people are looking at that and like well, you know, okay, Colin Kaepernick, you know, we maybe we should have heard him more. Maybe we should have given him a chance, you know. <laughs> and uh, it, but that he had the right message, but the wrong delivery, right? I guess that's a good way of putting it. So, uh, yeah. So I was always like, and all lives matter, you know. Don't say Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. You want me to say cop lives matter? Do you want me to say Mexican-American lives matter? Do you want me to say Asians, you know, matter? You know, all this stuff. And it's just, it just seemed too divisive to say something like Black Lives Matter. So I never said it. And, uh, you know, case by case, this would get media attention. Mr. Arbery in Georgia died at the hands of people who were uh, law enforcement doing a citizen's arrest. Um, there were... Um, you know, some other instances I can't talk to you at the top of my head. Oh, Sandra Bland, she was one. Sandra Bland, um, the cop, uh, she lit up a cigarette at the at the uh, traffic at the uh, at the stop, police stop, whatever. And uh, he told her to put her cigarette out, and she was like, "No, you know, well, you know, I heard Malcolm Gladwell explain this, and he was saying that there is." you know, generation that 
just whenever they get nervous or anxious, they light up a cigarette. That's like their go-to motive. And so he was explaining that's what she did. And the cop was miscommunicating, didn't know how to communicate with her because she was a stranger. And uh, it's something he talks about in his book, Talking with Strangers, Malcolm Gladwell. If you don't know about Malcolm Gladwell, uh, you need to Google that and uh, uh, check out some of his stuff. It's some brilliant, brilliant art, uh, brilliant work, rather. He's an author, not an artist. Now, uh, <laughs> the um, the uh, Amart Arbery case came up uh, a couple months ago, and then uh, George Floyd. So George Floyd, when people started talking about it, I was just thinking, oh, great, here's another instance. Uh, people are staying home due to COVID pandemic and uh, just have a lot of free time to talk about anything and more and more people talked about it, and uh, I just was like, okay, I'm just going to ignore this. You know, I don't, I don't need to see another person, you know, get put in the media and glorified that was a criminal, you know, doing a criminal act, you know, that kind of thing. And then one of my friends um, posted about it, and his post is what caused me to look more into it and pay attention. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that that's what it took to open my eyes. You know, I, it wasn't because I was just being curious. It wasn't because I wanted to know. It wasn't because I was, um, one of those people who chanted black lives matter. It wasn't, you know, it was because one of my friends said something and I was like, Oh, okay, well, I respect his view. Let me see what he said. And he wrote uh, something to the effect of him being awake at like 2 a.m., pacing his uh, living room, crying and praying because of the video that he had watched. And, you know, he said many other things, but when I, and I know this person's character, I know, you know, this person well enough to uh, know that his thoughts and feelings about this were genuine. So I was like, that moved him like that? Wow. I was like, well, maybe I should just watch it then. And uh, I watched it. It was a little short of 10 minutes. And I knew that in this video, it was going to show him Mr. Floyd uh, die. Um, and so I started watching it. And it's it, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um but the way it started was in the middle of whatever confrontation had happened, whatever, you know, I don't know what happened before, but the, when the video started, Mr. Floyd was on the ground with an officer, the famous picture, the famous image rather of the officer's knee on Mr. Floyd's neck. And that's how the video started. So you have no kind of context, right? And I was hoping it wasn't like that because you don't get the full story when you show the last several minutes of it. So I started watching it and, um, in my opinion, immediately it was like a light switch changed. You had nothing but people being so respectful, pleading with the officers to check on Mr. Floyd and to get his knee off their neck. They weren't being disrespectful. They weren't yelling. They weren't being aggressive. They were different races. They were just pleading for them to check on Mr. Floyd. 
And Mr. Floyd, for the first couple minutes, was alive. And he was pleading, you know, calling his mama, saying he can't breathe. And, you know, the officers would, you know, just say things like, uh, don't do drugs. Well, he's talking, so he's breathing. And um, just certainly disrespectful looking back on it. In my perspective of this and the Sandra Bland and, you know, the other cases is that is not that cops are racist because you have in all of these in almost rather all of these incidences it's not only a white cop it's other minority cops and and so i don't feel like there is a racism factor in it but there is certainly an aggressive authoritarian pride issue and um what i mean by that is that I believe people who are put in authority have a pride and not all uh, uh, ill-willed, all, not all pride is, uh, it's just a natural pride. You have to hold your head up. You have to be aware, you know, you have to be cognizant of so much that when there is this pride that you have to also have a humbleness about you. And so when these cops were being publicly rebuked and publicly given advice to check on this man, they refused. They, in fact, for the majority of the video, they don't even acknowledge Mr. Floyd on the ground. Even when he stopped breathing, even when he stopped moving, they didn't acknowledge him. When they were pleading that he had stopped moving, that he stopped breathing, They didn't acknowledge him. And whenever somebody is being pointed out, whenever uh, somebody is being exposed to a mistake they may be handling, or uh, uh, whenever somebody is making a mistake and it's being pointed out, not everybody is open-minded. And I know that this is going to sound high and haughty, but I... I don't mind being criticized. I don't, rather, it's not, I do mind being criticized. I do not mind being um, corrected, okay? I I always feel like I have to be open, okay? Because I know if somebody corrects me, whether I'm using the word wrong, whether I have the wrong attitude, or whether I'm just flat out doing something wrong, I know I want to be a sponge to accept that because I do want to be better. And so I acknowledge that. Plus I want to be likable too. That's another thing which goes with pride. Uh, you know, I want to be understood. I want for people not to be, not to think of me as somebody who's too prideful that he's not able to acknowledge his mistakes. And this isn't supposed to be about me. So, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to lift myself up there, but when you are not open to being corrected because you have too much authority or too much pride as a result of it, then that's just dangerous grounds. Now, I do not believe that I, I believe less than 5% of all police officers are racist. If any, I don't know. 
I've never encountered one. And people are not usually forthcoming with saying something racist. I, it might be because I'm a minority, I, but I doubt that. I think in general, people, even if somebody is racist, are probably play that close to their chest. They're probably not. And so for this whole idea that there's racism or inequality, I've never believed that. I always believed, and I came from a poor house, I always believed you had to make your own luck. I always believe you have to, you know, you're responsible for the outcome of your, uh, of your hand. You know, my brother once said, um, you know, we're, you have to just play the cards we're dealt. And I always believe that, like, you do have to play the cards you're dealt. And, you know, even if you're dealt the same cards, it doesn't mean anything. You play a different way, you know? So it's, I, I'm not of the opinion, I'm a minority I came from a poor background. I've never been of the opinion that uh, your future is determined. I've never believed that. So, um, yeah, so anyway, that's my perspective of it. Uh, So because of all this, because I was moved, and yeah, I did, you know, a couple posts on Facebook or on Instagram about it, um, but I I decided, you know, I, I needed... I want it. What could I do? What can I do? You can't change the heart of somebody who is racist. And I don't know who is racist. I That's why you can change it because you don't know who's out there and who is racist. So how are you going to change somebody's heart with that? So uh, rather than that, my belief was that it, na- it needed this whole mindset needed to move away from um, racism and more to equality and pride. It was more about a matter of the heart than it was about racism. And so I went to a local Black Lives um, Matter uh, march in my local town. And, um, and when I went, you know, Obviously, I wasn't the only minority there. I mean, I wasn't the only non-black person there. Um, me and my fiance, we went and, you know, we just, it wasn't to talk to people. It wasn't to, you know, it was just to show support. It was just to be there because I wanted black people to know that I had their back. It wasn't there to be about me. I just needed them to see support. That was my goal. That was our goal. We have your back. And so we got there and, you know, several people, a lot of people talked uh, before we actually marched. And, uh, you know, they had different agendas. Some it was against Donald Trump. Some it was about voting in your elections. Some was about uh, racism. Some was about our town motto. Yeah. Some lady went, uh, (laughs) that's a silly topic, this lady. Uh, Some was about uh, black uh, men incarcerated. Uh, Some some were about uh, gangsters. Yeah, there was, I guess the local Black Lives Matter movement was done with uh, gangs that were 
standing on neutral ground defending each other. And there were three different gangs there at this local march, and uh, they were all standing together in solidarity. Um, and yeah, the organizer there was saying things like, you know, you don't want these people looting your house, do you? Yeah, so they're out here, you know, protesting for stuff to get equal and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know if that's the best way to communicate that. You know, I get what you're saying. Like, but here's the thing. <laughs> there are bad people everywhere. There are bad white people that are not in gangs that do bad stuff. There are Mexicans who are in gangs and not in gangs that do bad stuff. I don't think it's strong enough for you to say something like, if you don't want them looting your house and robbing you, then you need to listen to them. What? That's not the, that's not the right attitude to have. Uh, you know, and so by the time we left, the, um, the leaders of the gangs and the police department were standing toe-to-toe just very having a, a a peaceful dialogue, you know, and one of the things they kept elaborating on during these uh, speeches that people were given were, this is a peaceful protest. This is a peaceful. And I'm just like, we get, dude, nothing's going to happen. Okay. Now in the next town over, there had been a week before looting and rioting and stuff. Right. And some of the people that were there in the march that I was at might've been, part of the rioters i don't know however (laughs) the the point was to show solidarity to stand there and my take is that we need to show a humbleness when we're dealing with each other you have to be able to communicate and if you're not able to do that then what you will do is just be dangerous you are dangerous if you're unable to communicate and that's a lot uh, of what Malcolm Gladwell's book Talking with Strangers is about is about uh, his uh, uh, concept is a couple things he pointed out in his book was one that you are not a good as judge a character as you think you are uh, and you don't talk to people uh, talk with strangers as well as you think you do and two you are not a good as eyewitness as you think you are because eyewitness accounts seem to uh, just vary so heavily that it's pointed out years later that this person was completely wrong. So anyway, uh, it's a good book. You should really check it. You should check out anything Malcolm Gladwell writes. He's very, he also has his own podcast revisionist history. I don't listen to a lot of it. I'm not, I can't just get into any topic. <laughs> anyway, so uh, my my thing, my biggest takeaway were two things from this whole movement right now. One is an authority and heart issue. You need people in authority to be able to be corrected and have a humbleness, okay? Even in my small town, which is doing really bad regarding their budget analysis. They have, they have like my town has a huge auditing issue. They are behind. They do not get their budgets in. They do not get their, um, self audits in. 
it's not doing well. But anytime you're trying to address it with the town, they shut you down, right? Man, that's a boring old person talk. Uh, but the other thing is, um, is uh, criminal justice reform. So when I say that, you know, in the mid '90s there was legislation passed uh, by the Democrat by the Democrats, um, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden were forefronters of this, very vocal um, advocates for this. You know, Hillary Clinton is famous for saying, for calling black men super predators. Uh, it incarcerated so many black men that, you know, you have generations of people who are growing up without a father in their home. And I always felt like if you had a good father in your home, the chances of you becoming a criminal were so drastically reduced. It's not always... It's not perfect. It never is because not every father is perfect. But the the odds of you growing up in a nuclear household increase your chances of success drastically. You are so much better off. Your child, your children, your family is so much better off with you, a man, in the home. Man. That's good stuff. I don't care who you are. That's some good stuff right there. <laughs> and so if we were to reform criminal justice and, you know, really analyze the crimes that people are doing so much time for, to be able to, people will thrive better when they're free. You know, criminal, you know, the prisons went from a rehabilitation institute into a daycare center. You know, our country spends so much money on incarceration. We have so many people incarcerated. And of course, we all know that black men are the majority of those incarcerated. So disproportionate. And it's not that, you know, I won't... (laughs) It's not that I'm going to be happy when all uh, there are more white men incarcerated or more Mexicans incarcerated. It's just that it's just sad. This is the race that seems to suffer and uh, and they need every help that they can get. So there's that. And then there's the issue now of statues. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just one of those people that are just like, just take the statues down. You know, I get the whole, um, <laughs> I get the whole history of it, right? That's what we have history books for. I mean, we don't have a Ronald Reagan statue out here, and uh, <laughs> we got them all in this. We know who he is, so it's just that's how I feel about it. If it bothers people, if it makes them feel oppressed to see somebody who wanted to keep people in slavery. Uh, in their statue immortalized in the center of their town or in the center of a roundabout or whatever the case is. If it bothers people, just take it down. I'm not just saying, I'm not just trying to be flippant about it. Just like, oh, well, if it offends somebody, just take it down. I'm just saying I get that slavery can still make people's uh, feel like their future is oppressed. You know, I get that perspective. And is it going to really make people cry to see a statue torn down like that? You know, I mean, come on, 
you know, <laughs> one guy, he posted on Facebook, he said, um, man, uh, ever since they tore down that statue of King George in New York, I've never been able to figure out who won the American Revolution. It's like, listen, we get it. We know, you know, that one team won and the other didn't. We know what this was all about. But if it makes somebody feel better, if it makes my black brother or my black sister feel better, knowing that this statue is removed, that we hear them, can you imagine the perspective? I mean, yeah, this whole thing, if you do that, can go too far. You know, it can get too far. We can, you know, I just uh, saw a thing where Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A because Antebellum is associated with, you know, the Civil War, the Civil War and slavery and all that. You know, <laughs> one there was one meme out there that said, I wonder when Cracker Barrel is going to change their name. <laughs> just like, you know, it it will when you start giving the minority a voice, you know, and start appealing to different demands and stuff, there is an appropriate response. But there is also, you know, are also going to be people that are so far out there. They're just like, like now, defund the police. What kind of stupid, idiotic idea, concept is that to defund the police? How dumb are you to get on that bandwagon? And of course, the media is going to continue to push this narrative and push it and ask for polls, you know, and anyway, that's all I have to say. This has been a grueling 30 minutes for you and a perspective you had no idea on, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, thanks for listening, keeping it raw. This is raw. You guys have a great day. Yo, what's up? Yeah. You're listening to the Keeping It Raw podcast.